0: A radio show that confesses Christ. Without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously.
1: Without taking ourselves
0: so seriously. You're listening to
1: Table Talk Radio. I I like how he ran in the room thinking that you accidentally articulated the baptism incorrectly. Like,
0: Wait a minute. You're mistaken. <laughs> he said to me, he said, you sound like a heretic. Right. Yeah.
1: It wasn't like, boy, they must be playing a game where they're articulating someone else's belief. It was, I think Pastor Wolfmiller is off his rocker. <laughs> I,
2: I'm,
0: I'm a little bit disturbed that you think that I would actually teach that about baptism, <laughs> Pastor
2: Fleming. And it so, 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 so deserves to be crunched. I mean, mega crunched. <laughs> So uh, if you guys put the mega crunch on the song, that would be awesome. (laughs) Keep uh, preaching the word.
3: Pastor, keep it mediocre. Mediocre and hilarious.
1: Keeping expectations low, this is Table Talk Radio. Welcome, Pastor Wolf Miller. Thank you. Uh, I knew it was going to be a good day today because the time it took for my car defroster to melt the frost on my windshield was the same amount of time it took for my Keurig to warm up and brew a cup of coffee. It doesn't get much better than that. You know, you just turn the defroster on, coffee's ready, ready to go. That's pretty good. The world is, the universe has converged. Do you need me to explain what frost is?
0: (laughs) It was cold this morning. I think it got down to 60.
1: (laughs) You remember that from the from your Colorado days? I remember the old frosty days <laughs> and ice though. Here no, they, in Colorado they, you get the ice though. It's not just frost; it's ice.
0: They had uh, they, they said that the the weather might get down below freezing. Possibly, it might be thirty. No chance of perci- precipitation, and they canceled school for like four days. <laughs> Yep, that sounds Kids right. Kids love it down here, you know. <laughs> there's no trudging to school in the snow. There's no. There's not trudging to school in the not snow. Everything's <laughs> backwards. But
1: in my day, we had to trudge through s- no snow, <laughs> uphill both ways. <laughs>
0: yeah, t- to get home, to back into my room from breakfast. That's all. <laughs>
1: all right, what are we doing today? Is anything good?
0: Uh, I, I, you, uh, had some ideas. I wasn't. I <laughs> confess, I wasn't really paying attention. <laughs>
1: That was a test. I knew I it. So long for the ride. You had you had Facebook open or something, or have you rid yourself of the Facebook yet?
0: I'm I'm out of the Facebook.
1: Whoa, talk about universes converging on something.
0: So I, I, the, the, the bad bad thing near. about being out of the Facebook is I've been trying to pay attention to this big Dr. Schultz controversy and all these things happen on the Facebook. You know. Whoa.
1: Yeah, I know. So, talk about
0: that a little bit later. So.
1: Okay, that sounds good. Ah, uh, well. Uh, We do have uh, some interesting things lined up. Did you hear that there was a uh, Roman Catholic priest who resigned? Turns out he was not baptizing correctly. So we're going to take a look at that. (laughs) That's hilarious. You have a story that you came across. This This is weird on so many levels, but there is a... A woman pastor who's preaching about her
0: abortion—did I get that right? <laughs> yeah, are we talking She's about? talking that. about how she was a little intimidated to to mention that she had an abortion in the pulpit, and was surprised at how how kindly the con- congregation responded. How how much they encouraged her. Hmm. Well, I don't know if they were encouraging her to have more. I don't. I just. I. I so we'll have to read that. What a that story is, like you said, troublesome. On a lot of different levels.
1: Yeah. So, and then if we have time, we'll talk about uh, how Prager uh, says that happiness is a moral obligation. Interesting. Interesting perspective. We'll consider that as well. But first, buzzwords.
0: I I got my buzzword generator, also known as the Doctrinal Theology, the Evangelical Lutheran Church by Heinrich Schmid, republished by Around the Word. You can download it for free at wolfmuller.co. Pick a page between 1 and 650. 351. You always pick that page. Let's see. <laughs>
1: well, I'm running out. You've been using it so long, I think I've hit
0: every page. <laughs> um, ooh, this is the person of Christ, a comparison of the Lutheran and Reformed views. I'll just read a little Gerhardt. We do not deny that in addition to the essential properties of human nature, certain gifts pertaining to this condition inhere subjectively in Christ as a man which although they surpass by a great distance, the most excellent gifts of all men and angels, yet are and remain finite. But we add that in addition to these gifts, which pertain to the condition and are finite, gifts truly infinite and immeasurable have been imparted to Christ the man through the personal union and his exaltation to the right hand of the Father. This is the the Lutheran's... So let's make this... Uh, the finite is not capable, the infinite, hmm. how do they say it? Which way do they put it? The Calvinists say, the finite is not capable of the infinite. And so they will restrict the, um, the attributes of Jesus' divine nature from reaching his human nature. Hmm. The Lutherans have no such restriction, and their non-restriction is called the genus myastonicum. But this goes back to this philosophical assertion of the Calvinist that the finite is not capable of the infinite. I'm going to make that my buzz phrase for you.
1: So, which one? The uh, the finite not capable of the infinite? Yep. yep. Okay. All right. Uh, my theological buzzword for you is baptizo. Baptizo. Oh. Greek word for uh, to wash. We're going to do some washing with uh, water, in the word it means to uh, to. Uh, baptized. Now, what's interesting about this is this this word appears in uh Mark 7:14. I'm pulling that from memory, so you'll have to <laughs> fact-check me. <laughs> I got a Bible reader somewhere. Else. Uh but so here it says that but That the, sounds
0: right with the baptism of couches,
1: right? Yeah, yeah. So so you have the Pharisees that say they do not do not eat unless they wash, you know, pitchers uh and then if you if you're reading the King james version it actually says they wash couches, which is a, a variant reading um and so but the but the point here is is that th- what they're doing here is they're baptizing <laughs> tables and couches and pitchers and things like this uh and so we use this text oftentimes for those who assert that the word baptize means to immerse, and we would we would assert well if if uh, that's what the word means, Mark didn't know how to use it. <laughs> Unless they were immersed in couches, that would be a sight. Right. Uh, the um, the
0: immersion of couches. Maybe they were. Uh, small. So let's play. Um, let's play Bible B. I'll read you a verse and you tell me where it is. Okay. It says, "And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches."
1: Well, I think that's Mark.
0: Yep. Okay. Chapter. Uh,
1: I I still think it's seven verse, and I still think it's fourteen.
0: And oh. let me just mark that it's verse four.
1: Oh, seven
0: four. Yeah. Just okay. Take some points for me here.
1: <laughs> I like how you propose playing a game when you know I have the answer wrong already. <laughs>
0: what? That's great. I know you're going to use the same
1: answer it's, twice. It's, it's like I see you dribbling a basketball and be like, "Hey, you want you want to play?" <laughs>
0: You could have been punking me. <laughs> All right, like you thought the wrong verse.
1: <laughs> well, let's let's uh, let's hear a little bit of this story um, from EWTN about the uh, uh, the Roman Catholic priest who had
0: resigned. Prisoners of a church in Arizona are reacting to the news that one of their priests has resigned
3: after it was discovered he was baptizing people incorrectly.
0: I don't see him doing this with malice in any manner. I, it was it was a mistake. Um, and I, I, you know, the church has to make those decisions from a canonical standpoint. Um, and as Catholics, we 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 abide by what the church says. The diocese of Phoenix estimates thousands of isn't and- I I just to as Catholics, we abide by what the church says. Yeah, yeah, that was telling, right?
1: Put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, that's 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 the whole thing. I mean, you can't say, can you? I mean, th- that the church got this wrong. I mean, c- can a Catholic say that, hey, the church was wrong about this? <laughs> if the church lets
0: them say it, they can say yeah, it. Yeah, that's right.
1: <laughs> Sorry to
0: interrupt. Let's keep going affected here. By incorrect language from Father Andres Arango. And joining me now is Colin Donovan, Vice President for Theology at EWTN and host of Open Line Friday on EWTN Radio. Colin, welcome. Let's get right to
3: it. Uh, Let's talk more about these invalid baptisms. Can you please break Mm -hmm. down for us why the language is so important? Specifically, what is the difference between saying, we baptize you and I baptize you? Well, the church is dependent upon divine revelation, what Christ gave it. This is uh, this is what gives power to the sacrament of baptism, and therefore it's trying to follow what has been the practice in the church. And we find that uh, illustrated in sacred scripture, for example, where we see our Lord himself is on the day of the ascension, uh, sending his disciples out to teach the world and to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And earlier on, the church concluded that it wasn't the individuals who were baptizing, it was Christ who was baptizing. There's an old patristic formula along that. Paul baptized, Christ baptized. Peter baptizes, Christ baptizes. And we sort of see that in some controversies uh, even in the New Testament over baptism by, in the name of Apollos or in the name of Peter. And so the formula of I is very important. I think it may be a subtle distinction, but uh, the Church would not consider herself to have the authority to reinvent a formula which is laid down in the, theologically uh, in Scripture. So it goes well beyond the question of what the canon law say and what liturgical norms might say. It goes. Okay, right
1: very interesting to hear a Catholic say that the Church is not in a position to reinvent what the Lord has given. Uh, We're going to have to take, let's let's digest that a little bit over this break. And then I want to uh, hear your thoughts on this story. And what happens when a priest baptizes using the word, we baptize you instead of I baptize you as Jesus said to do. Does that mean these baptisms are are invalid? And think about um, the parishioner impact this has on the people who maybe had received baptism and that perhaps terror that it brings upon them to hear the church say this. We'll be right back. You're listening to Table Talk Radio.
0: Have you ever felt like you were all alone in the world? You were probably listening to Table Talk Radio. The daily Bible meditation blog is at rightlydividedbible.wordpress.com where three chapters of the Bible are considered each day. Check it out.
1: All right, and we're back here on Table Talk Radio. Hey, well, there's, there's a story, on. Pastor Wolf Miller. What are your initial thoughts about uh, hearing that? I mean, I've been hearing about this a lot. I'm sure you have, too. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, reached reached the uh, the parishioners in our church, so what do you think about it?
0: It's a, very, it's a wonderful thing to think about because it lets us go and visit the questions of the validity of baptism, the differences between the Catholic Church and the Lutherans, our understanding of baptism, how that's different, and so forth. I did want to correct this guy, the theology guy that was talking, that when Jesus instituted baptism, Matthew 28, and said, go and make disciples of all nations, that was not on the Ascension Day. That was on a mountain in Galilee. <laughs> Excuse me, so, are you correcting the church? <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> This this guy okay, so but I I used to think that too. I used to connect the Ascension Day on Mount of Olives and the sending of the disciples to baptize. But it was different. It was two different mountains, two different places, two different events. So
1: okay, fair except, enough.
0: So Matthew twenty eight is not the is not the right time. But uh, interesting to know that the dominical mandate Jesus says. Um, Uh, they fell down and worshiped him some doubted jesus says all authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit and teaching them to treasure everything i've commanded you and look i'm with you always even to the end of the age and so uh, while we baptize in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit there the i or the we is not dominically mandated so that that's not from the scriptures. Now, the formula that's handed down is I baptize you because there is one person who is doing the baptism. You can't be... There, there's no, like, five people baptizing together. should be weird. Mm-hmm. There's one guy, normally the pastor, appointed for that place, but even in case of emergency, someone might be baptizing, but that's that, that, that individual is, is giving the gift of baptism. So I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit is the is the accepted but not biblically mandated um words. The so when, words that are mandated are in the name of the Father and of the Son and yeah. of the Holy Spirit.
1: Yeah. So when when Jesus said, go therefore make disciples of all nations, saying he didn't say saying I baptize you, he just said to baptize right. in the name of the Father and the Holy Spirit. Now it's very interesting right. though that a that a Roman Catholic priest even accidentally would revert to we um given their ecclesiology. Right
0: well seemingly that's curious right so so I, I mean you explained your point but then i'm going to i'll give a counterpoint that it actually makes sense after vatican 2 but your okay. point is that that this idea of the authority of the priest right
1: right yeah yeah so so the authority comes from um it's passed down from you know pope to pope to pope and then the priest receives their his authority to do the functions of a priest through the through the Pope and on down. So they have the apostolic succession and ordination and things like that. Uh, whereas in uh, our Lutheran understanding um of the office of the keys, for example, <laughs> you have um the the keys are given to the to the church and then pastors are exercising the authority of the keys on behalf of the church. So it almost makes sense for a Lutheran to say we baptize you
0: <laughs> Right. Right on I know. So I mean, we don't say that. Right, but, right. Yeah. But just to be the, clear, I'm, I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Vatican II came along and they emphasized this the the maximum participation of the laity, and they mm. even made the Mass itself a sort of um, the acts of the Church. This repristination of the sacrifice of the Mass, and they and they deemphasized the role of the priest as mediator and started to emphasize the role of the. Com- came right out of this idea of changing the words, came right out of that. The amazing thing is that nobody said anything for how many baptisms? Like 7,000. Ba- how many baptisms does this guy do?
1: Well, you think Ecclesiastical supervision is bad in the
0: LCMS? Well, just, someone should have said, wait a minute. What, what did he say? I? <laughs> or we? He said we? That's weird. Should ask him about that. But it took, apparently it took a long time for anybody to say anything. It's, that's pretty amazing.
1: I don't know. I know how things go in a local congregation, you know? Like uh yeah, bless.
0: <laughs> So it's just this fluky thing like here we say we baptize you and uh and then finally someone came to visit and they're like, I don't think that's right and they mention it and they're like, Oh yeah, by the way, every baptism you've done for the past Twenty years is invalid. They were like Now here's the question that that I think we gotta think about is does this invalidate baptism? Would we agree? What what do we say about Catholic baptisms in the first place? And then hmm. what do we say about these baptisms in the second place?
1: I'm just picturing the parishioner who comes up and says, Father, I was reading the red letters when you were doing that, and it says I, not we. (laughs) You you might want to re-read that page. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so we understand baptisms that are done uh, in the Trinitarian name, as Jesus said, to baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that those baptisms um, are true Christian baptisms because they are said uh, using the words Christ gave us uh, to say, uh, even where a Christian congregation would differ from us in our understanding of what baptism is so far as they um, believe the Holy Trinity and are saying the words of the Holy Trinity in baptism. It's still, still baptism is going. God is, God is still at work in and through those words.
0: Yeah, that's right. And let's make this uh, distinction, which is might seem subtle, but is not subtle. And that is that it's the confession. It's the Orthodox confession of the Holy Trinity that, um, that gives that validity to the baptism in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So um, if you had, a, say, a Mormon church, which was baptizing in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, but their confession of the Trinity is different, then that is not a valid baptism. Mm -hmm. If, on the other hand, you had a church that had an Orthodox confession of the Holy Trinity, and they didn't use the proper words, let's say, that the pastor baptized, instead of saying in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and let's just say, and I bet you this happens a lot, that the guy says, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, leaves out the of. Uh, I, I imagine that happens all the time. Is that still a valid baptism? Yes. Or say, say I am baptizing someone and I misspeak. Say I get confused and I say... I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Father and of the Holy Spirit. And I just lost my place and repeated the words. I didn't use the right words. Is that still a valid baptism? Well, if I notice that I do that, I should go back and I should correct it. But if I don't notice and you pass on, it's still a valid baptism because it's understood to be that confession of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.
1: So this, is, this isn't this is a technical. I mean, it's... Uh... Uh, it's not like Hocus Pocus where you get the... It's not, the... Yeah,
0: it's not, magic. It's, not <laughs> magic. it's like in the Harry Potter movies where they like have to pre- practice their pronunciation of the syllables to make it happen, to mm. make the magic happen. That is not what's happening in baptism or in the Lord's Supper. This is important, too. Say a guy's consecrating the Lord's Supper, and instead of saying, take and eat, he gets confused where he is. He says, take and drink to the Lord's body or something like this. and It's still a valid... It's a valid supper. Again, if he notices that he made the mistake, he should go back and correct it. And you should try all the time to use the right words, but if there's a if you slip up on the words or the syllables, it's still uh, it's still a valid it's still a valid um, baptism or consecration of the Lord's Supper that's there. Mm-hmm. Uh, What
1: about, uh, if I I may, uh, what do you think about these? We were liberal churches where I guess officially they confess the Holy Trinity, but because they're hip and cool, they will uh, do something weird like in the name of Mother God, uh, Sophia, and you know, whatever, and wisdom. Uh, where they where they change or like make kind of these feminist churches will will change you know strip the the masculinity out of the name of God and try to insert new words. what do you think about that
0: that at best adds a question to the validity of baptism because it's a purposeful confusion or um, clouding of the doctrine and but I think it's not valid if someone came to me and said I was baptized in the name of the Mother and Wisdom and this nonsense. Or even if I was baptized in the name of the Creator, the Redeemer, and the Sanctifier, I would baptize them. Hmm. Um, because it, it, it again, at best adds a question because you're tinkering around with the doctrine of God and saying that you can speak better than how Jesus spoke. Yeah. Can you imagine and, that audacity?
1: And that was the point that I was going to make, is that, it, that it, it's not it seems it seems to say something of their confession of who god is more than just language so whereas before you're talking about you know slipping up and saying father twice or something like that uh the the there's no question that the confession of who god is in father son holy spirit is still there but when they start changing the words of who the godhead is as he's revealed himself then it starts to show that they maybe they have a different view of god and that's that's the
0: problem right that's right. And and so now here's this, this wild theological thing is that the validity of baptism is built on the confession of the Holy Trinity. And the validity of the Lord's Supper is built on the confession of the Lord's Supper. So that even if someone has a bad doctrine of baptism, like say the Baptists think it's the first act of obedience, but still they baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We would say, no, that is a valid baptism, even though their bapti- doctrine of baptism is wrong. But if someone has a bad doctrine of the supper, say they think it's a memorial meal, a symbol, but body and blood are not there, that actually invalidates their supper. They don't have the body and blood because because the doctrine of the Lord's Supper is, the validity of it is built on the body and the blood because Jesus instituted it with those words. Mm -hmm. So we go back to the words to see how Jesus instituted these things.
1: And by their own confession, they would say that no, this is not Christ's body and blood. Uh, right. So, okay, well, let's uh, let's take a break. There, we have coming up another story. Be interesting to talk about um, where a, a congregational woman pastor talks about her abortion. We'll be right back.
0: Table Talk Radio. Well, we think we're funny. So I've kicked up the Wolf Mueller One YouTube channel, and I was talking to Daniel, my expert YouTube advisor about it, who said, Dad, your stuff is really bad. I know, Daniel, I know. But look, I have 4,006 uh, for watch time, and to monetize on YouTube, you got to have 4,000 hours. And I, I look, I said, look, 4,006. And Daniel says, Dad, you have 4,006 minutes. Not ours. <laughs> anyway, if you want to see what we're up to over on YouTube, you can visit YouTube, search for Wolf Wolfmuller1 is the channel name. See you there. I knew this song was coming up, next. <laughs> You're good.
1: All right, welcome back to Table Talk Radio. Interesting it's article here. found here in the Washington Post.
0: Um, I want to put a quick bow on the last stories. Yeah, you say to those people who who yeah, the please. church is telling them that their baptisms are invalid. Hey, you are baptized. God be praised.
1: Yeah, come come to the uh, local Lutheran church where your baptism is recognized. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I remember I there's a guy who wanted to rent the church for his for his uh, services, and he he was a oneness Pentecostal guy. And I said, Hey, if my people came to visit your church, would you try to rebaptize them? And he, and he had to say. Oh yeah, uh, that's rude.
1: I think I thought you're gonna say I don't know how fast are they? <laughs> you're to try try to rebaptize. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I don't know. Do they sit still much? Yeah, that's right. Uh, but it is it is actually an interesting thought? I, I kind of said that tongue in cheek, but it is an interesting thought that here you have a group of Roman Catholics whose own parish and church does not recognize their baptism. But there's a Lutheran church in town that would see their baptism as valid.
0: That is weird. I wonder if there was, like, people who were had an invalid baptism and then, like, went on to the priesthood. And so also their ordination would be invalid and any sacraments that they performed would then be invalid. And yeah. th- And therefore, like, there's invalid marriages coming out of this and all the... What a mess. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, all right, so this story comes from the Washington Post, uh, and it's titled The
0: Threat there's a, trigger, to... there's a trigger warning, I think, right? Oh, please, On go ahead.
1: Why don't you go ahead and give us that warning. Trigger warning. Be okay. warned. <laughs> Be warned. The threat to Roe v. Wade is driving a religious movement for reproductive choice. Americans who see a religious case for abortion tries to shift the narrative. So it says when uh, Reverend Kaylee uh, McVeigh, Envoy, I'm not sure how to pronounce her name. Uh, began at Westmoreland Congregational in 2018. She faced a question: Should I tell her new, con- or should she tell her new congregation? She's recently had an abortion. She was already a reproductive rights advocate, uh, and to her, the experience wasn't in conflict with her faith. When the pastor and her then boyfriend learned in 2016 that she was pregnant. <laughs>
0: I already. I'm like, how come she's sleeping with her boyfriend?
1: If you're playing Tinkers of the News, I think we hit them all already.
0: It's like, it's how? Like I'm reading this and I'm like, what, how come she's not married? What the heck? I mean, if we were if we were
1: playing a game, how quickly you can get to all the Ten Commandments? This one won in the first three sentences, but. Um, anyway, she learned that her then boyfriend in 2016, that she was pregnant and, the uh, first place they went was a cathedral to pray and to call doctor's offices in search of one to do the abortion. Other visitors to the cathedral happened to try to enter the small chapel where she was on the phone, but her boyfriend turned them away. She remembers saying something holy is happening here. I am just sick to my stomach.
0: Uh, so okay, so hold on. Let's see. So they're in a chapel. They're praying, and but but no, they're talking to abortion doctors, and other people want to come in to pray. And the boyfriend is saying, "You can't come because some, you can't come in here because something holy is happening." Yeah, which is the sacred conversation between the pregnant woman and the baby murderer doctorer. That's the holy thing.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Goodness sakes.
1: Uh, But in front of her new congregation, she wondered and worried if they would lose respect for her. Interesting. Westmoreland, like the suburb of Bethsaida, it sits in, it's, uh, sorry, in the suburb of Bethsaida, it sits in, is full of liberal people who politically support abortion access. McVoy felt that she, um, but she may not be ready to call it a social or theological good. Uh, so anyway the the people in the church were were liberal supported access to abortion but didn't see it as a social or theological good thing like she did. She then came uh, then came laws in Texas and Mississippi to severely limit abortion, then the Supreme Court's decision to review the constitutionality of Roe v Wade and on top of that, pandemic isolation and virtual worship that she felt made preaching about real, lived physical experiences feel urgent now she is part of an increasingly bold and more visible religious movement for reproductive choice a hard shove back to the decades old american narrative that a devout person sees abortion at only as murder from prominent clergy to regular people in the pews far more nuanced and varied perspectives about abortions are being voiced across the religious spectrum, many for the first time. So this is kind of the the narrative that the Washington Post
0: article goes. This is really really kind of disgusting. You would think this is a Babylon Bee kind of thing.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It was two years ago, but now it's real.
0: So what did it say was the reaction of of the... uh, of her congregation?
1: Well, that's interesting, at least in the part that I've read so far. It wasn't really mentioned. But let me zoom down here a little bit. Because um, it goes into other clergies after that.
0: I'm sure uh, she was surprised, something like she was surprised at how open and welcoming and how they were very proud of her and her honesty and... And I'm I'm sure.
1: Yeah, I didn't actually say that though, Um, Hmm. but I did. As we were were, so before we went on the air on this, we tried to find some audio on this and didn't find it. But she does have a YouTube channel where she has about 20 views on all her videos, so
0: she's uh, pretty prolific. Hey, don't, uh, don't. It's hard to get the views. I'll tell you what. Uh, that was like what happened when we were looking on the 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 the, the lady telling the the uh, remember that YouTube with the lady retelling the transgender bible stories
1: mm,
0: yeah and we didn't want to spread it because we didn't want to link it because we didn't want to give it more views mm-hmm. so okay so here this the, here's a lady pastor who's shacking up with her boyfriend which is a problem at I suppose the only kind of normal thing in this is that she has a boyfriend. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's like the only little piece of normal here. Nice.
1: I mean, I mean the the thing here, the whole the whole thing here is that I'm going to dress up in the cloak of being a Christian but then to live any way that the flesh impulses me to live and to say that I'm doing the work of God because I'm fighting for social justice. I mean, this is the great right. lie. I mean, <laughs> this, I mean, what, why, why, just, would, why would God be concerned about social justice if you're not concerned about the sixth commandment or the first commandment or the fifth commandment? These,
0: there's or the these, second command this I'm sorry. This, <laughs> <laughs> this lust slavery you know just and the the devil pro- projects as freedom you know do what you want that's freedom and uh, and then you and, and then he starts to get you really disoriented because well what if what I want to do is okay but you, what you want to do is not okay and now there's inequity and so justice comes into the whole conversation in in order to be able to do what i want so, so so, the devil says, look, the, the, the fruit is there. You can do it, and it's God who doesn't want you to have that, and I want you to have it, and then you can be free. So mm-hmm. eat the fruit you want to eat. That's what freedom is. And so, uh, oh, I want to be free. So I think that following my lusts, being conformed. This is how um, Peter says it. So here's First 1 Peter 1.14. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. So your the ignorant passions are trying to conf- to shape us and enslave us, and anything that would stand against the conforming pressure of former passions must be abandoned as hateful and whatever. So, yeah, you know, murder comes now to the aid of adultery like it always does and then and then i'm i'm i don't have a guilty conscience because i think something holy happened something sacred happened after all the words of institution are being used to support this nonsense this is my body Can, did i tell you about that we did we were talking about that when we did the march for life how abortion uh, usurps the words of institution this is my body but you see the very the key difference is that the abortion activists say, this is my body given to me for my own pleasure. But Jesus says, this is my body given for you for the forgiveness of sins. And so the same words are used, but for totally different purposes. And the same gifts are acknowledged, but for totally different purposes. Uh, And so it's just a real nasty heresy that we're dealing with with this abortion stuff.
1: Do you remember years ago when we interviewed or you interviewed uh, Dr. Nestigan on this program and uh, we're talking about the correlation between the sixth commandment and the fifth commandment. He said, that when you worship your body, you worship something that dies, you become a servant of death. I wonder what it says uh, about who this woman worships. When it is said that her calling the abortion doctor is something holy going on. If that's the, if that's the holy of holies arranging your child's death, who is your God?
0: Yeah. Yep. It is. That's right. And that is telling and really, like you said, that's really sad.
1: Yeah. All right, well, we're going to take another break. We'll see if there's anything else to uncover on this story. And then uh, Dennis Prager says that happiness is a moral obligation. We'll get his perspective right after this. You're listening to Table Talk Radio.
0: Because some people have a high pain tolerance. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. I'm reading Luther's sermons from the House Postal every week. You can find it at www.hope-aurora.org. Click on the Luther Sermon Podcast.
3: I
1: bet you didn't know that one was on the playlist. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. All right, do you have any bows to tie on that story? Nope. (laughs) <laughs> Self, I just self-explanatory. Said,
0: yeah. Don't go to that church for heaven's <laughs> sakes. Right.
1: Okay, well, here is an interesting uh, video from PragerU. Here it is.
2: Okay. Most people think of happiness as essentially a selfish issue. I want to be happy, and I want to be happy for me. I'd like to suggest that, in fact, happiness is far, far more than a selfish desire. In fact, it is a moral obligation. I know that most people have never thought
1: of happiness. Oh yeah, you're missing out on the letters flying in and out, and the graphics
2: changing. In this way, neither did I to tell the truth for much of my life. I thought that happiness, and especially the pursuit of happiness, was all about oneself. But it isn't. Whether or not you're happy, and most importantly, whether or not you act happy, is about altruism not selfishness because it is about how we affect others lives and that's what makes it a moral issue ask anybody who was raised by an unhappy parent whether or not happiness is a moral issue and i assure you the answer will be yes it is no fun being raised by an unhappy parent or being married to an unhappy person or being the parent of an unhappy child or working with an unhappy co-worker, our happiness affects others profoundly that's why happiness is a moral obligation
1: all right that's that's the proposition that's probably enough for us to chew on what do you think
0: uh, i think i like it i've always liked this i've always uh, i think this uh, the prager conversation about happiness is in fact why i think that the ninth and tenth commandments against covetousness not only require contentment and joy, but also happiness. And I've always been wary of the people who say, "No, we're not required to be happy. We're required to be joyful." If that's fine, I suppose, as long as you're not trying to be joyful and unhappy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, but but I—that's awkward. But I, the, the, my only—the only thing that I want wonder about here with this conversation, I I, I can I can see some of its merit. But I wonder if there isn't a distinction to be made, which I think he was starting to, to uh, lean into a little bit. Was there being a distinction between uh, being happy and a happy attitude? Because, um, well, let me let me uh, let me cut it off at the past. What what proposition could come from this idea is, well, I'm not married. I'm not uh, happy in my marriage. Therefore, it's a moral it's a moral obligation to be happy. So I should go right. get divorced, um, right, which right. we would, I think, agree that that's not right. That's totally. Well, of course. So, so could yeah. so could we say, okay, I'm not happy. What changes can I make to be happy in the situation I'm in?
0: Well, and it's important for us to recognize that the ninth and tenth commandments are are the ninth and tenth commandments. They come at the end. So when someone says, "Well, Pastor doesn't want doesn't God want me to be happy?" and we say, "Because uh, uh, then they want to use that as an excuse to get a divorce, right?" and they say, "Well, obviously He doesn't want you to be happy because look who He married you to, right? <laughs> I mean, <this> is, <laughs> He wants you to be married first, and happiness comes along later. So it's not happy. You can't get to happiness by by shooting at it by breaking the commandments." Yeah, yeah, you it, and even by trying to be happy. So I was reading this article by this 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 really wicked LeVay guy, some sort of Satanist who, it was like the only person G.K. Chesterton ever refused to debate, and and he he was a hedonist, just a flat out hedonist. He had all sorts of boyfriends and girlfriends and whatever, and his whole point in life was to be try to be happy, and he was always so frustrated with Chesterton, who didn't care about happiness, and you know he wasn't trying to be happy, but was so happy all the time. And he had what, Chesterton had what this other guy was trying to get, but you you get happiness by not trying to get happiness. If you go out and pursue happiness, you won't get it. But if you pursue, well, what? If you pursue the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these things are added to you. There's happiness there at the end of the commandments, not at the beginning. It's not the first one that you pursue. You pursue God and, and his gifts, and then happiness comes along. I think Prager could be just saying, hey, we we have an obligation to be pleasant with each other. And that's true. We we should be nice and kind and, and gentle. And that looks like, that probably looks like happiness and the sort of, the, the ease at which people, we, we let people deal with us and we deal with other people. And that's a gift that that we give.
1: Yeah. I, well, do you want to listen to a little bit more then? I, I, I sort of think sure. that, That he's focusing on the uh, circumstances of happiness rather than the the uh, attitude of happiness, I suppose. But let's—I
2: don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. We are morally obligated to at least act as happy as possible. There you go. Even if we don't feel happy. Okay. People can't be guided by feelings because it is how we act that affects others, not how we feel.
1: I guess, I guess that explains it.
2: <laughs> Context. A good analogy to bad moods is bad breath. Why do we brush our teeth multiple times every day? It's not only because of hygiene, it's because we want to present good breath to anybody who we come into contact with. Well, the same thing holds true for our moods. A bad mood should be regarded exactly as we regard bad breath. Why are you inflicting it on me or why am I inflicting it on you? It's just not right. That's why one should endeavor as much as possible to act as happy as possible as often as possible. And just about anyone can do this. No matter how unhappy you may feel at any given moment, you can and have to make a decision on how to act. We may not be free to control whether we feel sad or happy, but we are free to control whether or not we present a happy countenance to others that doesn't mean we don't share how we feel with our best friends and including- Okay
1: I think that's uh we got the point
0: now there's an interesting thing is there not that we used to say the ev- one of the problems with evangelicalism is that you have to act happy all the time you know and you have to put on this front and it, the idea is it's it makes people into hypocritical thing so the, so it is true that we we want to we want to be free to suffer and um that that is part of the freedom that we have in christ but that we are not suffering to to draw other people into our suffering but even in the midst of our suffering we're blessing the people around us and that is a huge that is a huge difference
1: hmm So so, uh, say more about that uh, blessing others in the midst of our suffering.
0: Well, so, you know, so some people are, some people are, um, okay, let's take this option. Some people are really sad and depressed, but they're always acting happy. But that happiness comes to you as an oppression. Like, oh, look how happy I am. And you're not. So I'm better than you. We do the same thing with suffering, too. Like, kind of the Eeyore thing. Like, man, everything is bad, and I'm gonna drag you down here in the gutter <laughs> with me. You gotta, I gotta. You're not only am I, you know, misery loves company. So come on. Mm. No, we 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 are in this life to serve one another. So happy or sad, no matter, we're there to bless people. So I'm I might be suffering, but but I've seen this so many times by the Lord's saints that have been trained by the Lord and they'll be in the hospital and they'll be in this great pain and affliction and everything. And yet the nurse comes in and they smile and they thank them for being there and for blessing them. And they ask about their family and everything. Mm -hmm. I I remember there was, uh, I would go to visit um, Marie and every time I would see her, she she could, I mean, she was right on death's door and she would always ask me how my family is doing. Mm. I mean, that's an amazing thing that even that depth of pain and suffering didn't draw her into to to this orbiting of her own world Mm -hmm. and that's one of the gifts that we can give to each other
1: right yeah very good okay well uh i think i think um i think prager has a point here i think uh, uh you do have a uh obligation to um this is kind of a question of how we interact with one another, those people whom God has placed in our lives and if we are uh, in the midst of circumstances that have us down um, it's not our place to b- drag everyone else down with us um, but to still serve those whom God has placed in our lives and that means you know um, you know put, putting putting forth our uh, best attitudes for their sake, not for our sake.
0: Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. So that every so that even our emotions how about this? Even our emotions, according to the ninth and tenth commandments, are are given to us to steward in service to God and the neighbor. Hmm. So my feelings are not for me. They're for God and for the neighbor. So so that I can even judge my feelings and um and and work on bringing every thought captive for the sake of christ and and the neighbors that god has given me so so that my sadness or my joy or whatever doesn't become a burden to my neighbor but a blessing to them
1: Hmm. yeah good (laughs) stuff all right uh last 30 seconds any final thoughts
0: uh oh we didn't talk about dr schultz Oh, we are, our, our friend of Table Talk Radio, well, hey, wait, wait. Do you, want, you want to do
1: a little extra innings for those who are listening yeah, yeah, on the podcast? Because I don't yeah, want to just squeeze good, that right. in the last five seconds. So if you're yep. Uh, yep. listening on the radio, head over to tabletalkradio.org and listen to the end of this episode. And you'll hear what's uh, going on with Dr. Schultz, a friend of the show here. And uh, kind of keep you informed of what's going on. So thanks for listening to Table Talk Radio.
0: What did I say? Finite, not capable of the infinite, baptizo... Thanks for listening know. to this edition of Table Talk Radio. <laughs> Table Talk Radio is not it. for everyone. Please what consult your me? pastor before listening to Table Talk Radio. Side effects may include nausea, vomiting, headache, heartburn, air loss, hallucinations, aversion to incomplete sentences, with it's aquatic, aquatic colonic colonic imagery, psychosis, yeah. coma, death, halitosis, lung cancer, brain tumors, sleep pain, internal to to bleeding, internal combustion, sudden craving, dishonor, vaccine, old. claustrophobia, an uncontrollable urge to fight the Calvinists on Twitter, and falling off your treadmill.
3: For more
2: information, visit tabletalkradio.org.
1: Okay, my apologies. I, I forgot about that. We're going to talk about uh, Dr. Schultz, and I would have uh, prompted us to do so sooner had I remembered. But no, no problem. Here's, uh, no problem. So what's going on? What, what's the what? So a friend uh, of friend big...
0: of the Table Talk Radio, Dr. Greg Schultz, a philosophy professor at University of Chicago, Concordia University, um, was suspended from his, his office, from teaching on Friday, Saturday. It probably happened in a meeting when he was in classroom teaching about Socrates' arrest. <laughs> <laughs> so how about that for irony? Well, I think I'm going to interview him about it next week. But so he, um, there, there's been just recently received the reasons given. There he's working through that with lawyers and things like this. It probably has to do with the uh, the search for the president of the university. And he's been pretty outspoken about some of the problems with woke ideology in the in the administration of the university. So he's being kind of blasted for that. So. It looks like that's the connection. That at least is where the smoke is, and normally where the smoke is, there also is the fire. So there's a. We'll, we'll see how this all shakes out. I talked to Doctor Schultz yesterday. He's happy and hoping that this will bring some of the problems to light, and um, and we pray for that as well. Uh, we if you if people want to be helpful, they can kind of follow along. I think Steadfast Lutherans, uh, the website is gonna is gonna be blogging this news, so that'll be a good place to follow along. Um, And there's a petition out there that I think if everyone would sign it, that's great. I mean, the more sort of attention this has, then the more careful the administration is invited to be in this. And I think that's probably what's needed is some real care.
1: So uh, can I... Can I read then the the end of the article that he had published that kind of got him in trouble in the first place? Yep. Uh, this, yep. So this is pertaining to the uh, nomination and selection of the next president of Concordia University in Wisconsin. And he ends his article with these words. Finally, I offer this recommendation in direct opposition to the Board of Regents Committee's postings. Number one. The next president must believe in and have a demonstrated commitment to scripture and the Lutheran confessions. Two, he must be a pastor professor with an exceptional, long-standing spiritual, intellectual, academic record of ministry and leadership in concord with his beliefs in and commitment to the scriptures and the Lutheran confessions. And three, he must be a pastor professor of substantial moral authority on the basis of his commitment in bringing Christ The Lord of Sabbath rests to students, to faculty, and to the Concordia community, and to all restless people of the world whom we can reach, this via the means that Christ has instituted and commanded for us for the work of teaching in a world largely in rebellion against God's authority, and thus disquieted, dysphoric, and in need of genuinely higher education, education in the way, the truth, and the life incarnate. So I think that final uh those final words of his article, um which is entitled uh, Woke Dysphoria at Concordia uh I think are great marching orders for any uh concordia in searching for a new faculty, especially a new president.
0: Yep, that's right. I think that's well said. All right, thank you. So yeah. So and thanks for listening. Thanks you guys for sticking this out and uh your prayers for for Doctor Schultz and for um for the church. That'll be great. Yep. God be praised.